Minutia Man is up next. But first, take a listen to this other great Opie show. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we continue our wide-ranging talk with author, journalist, and producer, Matt Avery. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for part two of this very special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Jews kicked out of prison for arguing. My mother is not a stripper. Fried chicken that tastes like women's feet. My brush with Lorne Green. And our interview with Robert Lorzel, Chicagoan and Chicago Minutia Guy. All that and unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. <laughs> Twirling his microphone like Roger, Roger Daltrey. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I accidentally picked the one with the long The bed. long one, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Buckle up, everybody. This is the extended dance mix exactly. of the Moosh Moosh. Rock and roll, everybody. It's uh, only Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Remember that episode that we stopped listening to Minutia Men all together? Because they had that super duper long what? intro. Why was this created even? I don't know. Maybe people thought we would get really creative at the beginning, but we don't have that kind of material. That was, no. I mean, seriously, that was like the White Album. It, right? the, it was 51 seconds. <laughs> that was a long, that's well, that's 51 seconds less of content, Rick, that we're going to have to, to, to fill it. So uh, I got an, kind of an embarrassing story that happened a couple of days ago. You know what? Here, uh, you know what I found as as a, I, I'll tell you something quickly before okay. you get into your story. Right. Uh, I have converted all of our stuff onto my new computer i got yeah, a brand I see new it. it's laptop nice. it's, yeah it's very nice so there's going to be all kinds of uh problems okay i i expect okay but one of the bonuses was i found some of our old audio oh and here's one that i don't think we've ever used you ready mm-hmm. here we go time now for rick and dave to both share a story or two about things going on in their lives oh. involving the kids the wives or both and now rick and dave this is perfect <laughs> okay there this you is go. absolutely perfect <laughs> all right so are you a are you a talk to yourself guy do you like talk to yourself I, I have become one, like when I'm watching the news and <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll have imaginary arguments okay. with the people I'm right. watching on TV and stuff. And yeah. So you do it out loud. But do you ever... Like, I do, yeah. Like, are you ever like walking around like on the street or in a car, for instance, and you might be doing... You I'm may not, sure. Right, exactly. I'm sure I do. Well, I'm definitely a talk to the self guy. Yeah. All right. And like you, the imaginary arguments... Yeah. I have them in my head. I am, I do a lot of swearing oh. in my imaginary arguments. <laughs> well, a lot oh, of swearing, and I am glib, and <laughs> oh, I, yeah. you know, I am well researched. <laughs> I am making people cry, you know. Uh, so, so we had a, we've had a problem with my daughter, Elena, yeah. my oldest. Not a bad problem. Well, you know, the Chicago public strike. Yeah, happened, the, right. The, the school right. strike. Right. So she was off eleven days. Yeah. Then they went to school one day, yeah. and then they had a weekend. Right. Okay. So my daughter, my lovely Lila Bean, yeah, had so much homework that she had to pull an all nighter, not all nighter, on Sunday night after being off for thirteen out of fourteen days, okay. basically. Right. Yeah. So 
I was upset. Yes. Because the next day was awful, and then Tuesday was even worse. Right. Because she and she. Now, are you upset with the school, or are you upset with your daughter? Uh, I'm upset with my daughter for yeah, not for waiting. She waited let, until oh my Sunday God. Night. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right. And she made all these excuses. You know, they added more homework. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Believe me, I heard them all. Now, I we're going through. You know, I mean, we we're trying to be supportive parents, yeah. right? And we're trying to empathize with them and not get upset, right? And to, okay. you know, nurture them, right? Yeah. Like they say in the books. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. So, this is not my strategy, yes. okay? But I'm on board as much as I can. So right. we've been very, well, honey, I understand how you feel, but let's see, you know, you're exactly... I, I absolutely can't do right. that. Right. So, but in my head, yeah. I am berating her, you know, right, and, ma- you know, and making her you know, cry basically. uh uh Daddy, I'll never do that again in my head. So I was playing that in my head while I was walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Okay. As people do. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I'm, and I'm walking and a woman sees (laughs) me doing this. All right. And I could tell him like, Oh my God, you know, sometimes you don't know you're doing it when you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. But I was doing the hand gestures. As you get older. (laughs) Exactly. We're not, we're not, we're not young anymore. So here's where it gets. Okay. That's embarrassing in itself. It is. So I see her watching me. And then immediately, I'm I'm like panicking. I'm like, okay, I look like a psychopath. Yeah. So I pretended that I was talking to somebody on the I, phone I, you know, with like, an earpiece. Sure, because that people do that right, all the exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. right. So I said, all right, well, I got to call you back. And I clicked my ear like I was turning off the earpiece, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So we're a total sham right now. Yes. Right? Okay. The woman asked me, she goes, excuse me, I have never seen an earpiece that small before. Oh my God. Can you tell me where you got it? And then at that point, I'm like, all right, I got totally busted here. And I explained to her the whole story about, no, I was actually in my head, blah, 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 whatever. And she just looked at me and go, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my oh God. My, right. That's so, humiliating. Absolutely. It, this is almost as, I think this is as bad as when I had a fake uh, injury walking out of the, the stall, the... the the handicap saw. Yeah, right. So, so wow, that, that's that's right. humiliating. So I don't know if this woman has a podcast, but you yeah. know she's talking about it right now. Wow. Yeah. At the very least, guess what happened to me today yeah. at, at dinner oh, time? Right. This crazy man. Oh, so, boy. There you All go. Right. All right. <laughs> did you did you also bring some minutia with you? Yeah. I did. Hey, by the way, before we get to our minutia, we got a great guest today. We yeah. have the ultimate minutia guest today. Right. Mm-hmm. His name is Robert Lorazel. Mm-hmm. He is a uh, uh, journalist in Chicago, and he writes about Chicago history. And he's, he's got kind a, of a Chicago dork. He is totally like us, right? A Chicago, a Chicago a nerdy, minutia dork. dorky guy, right? Um, but he's going to tell us some great stories. He 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 knows more about Chicago history than anybody I've ever talked to, and and so that's one of the things we'll be doing later on the show. But right now, this week's minutia with Rick and Dave. Not bad. There's a little pause. That's about but, uh, as good as it's going to get. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we did the story on the guy who refused to pay the monthly bill, maintenance bill on his ankle bracelet? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the ankle company got pissed right. and they took it away from him, yeah. you know, sticking it to the man, right? This story is a little bit like that. Um, I need you to flop out your Taliban accent. Do you have a Taliban no, accent? No, I do not. Okay. Right. <laughs> I am not going to get a fatwa <laughs> nailed against me. Uh, Salman Rushdie's on line yeah. seven for you. Uh, Dateline Afghanistan. Taliban kicked Jews out of prison for arguing too much. Now, do you have a Jew uh, accent? Uh, I think it's Jackie Mason, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually Yogi Yogi. Was Yogi yeah. Bear Jewish? Uh 
probably. Yeah, I would think so. They bear, probably, right? Yeah. From the uh, Sephardic bears. Sure. The last Jews in Afghanistan argued so much that the Taliban kicked them out of prison. <laughs> Zabulin Zimentov and Yitzhak Levy. You call this a gefilte fish? <laughs> right, exactly. The cells. When was the last time you ventilated this place? <laughs> So Zabalun Zimantov and Yitzhak Levy, who are believed to be the last remaining Jews in Afghanistan. Jeez. Yeah. How did you like that title? <laughs> um, and evidently, they don't get along with one another. You know who's a bastard? Yitzhak? <laughs> Yitzhak's a bastard. <laughs> and they were, they were both living in Afghanistan's last remaining synagogue and couldn't stand each other. Okay. They fought vi- <laughs> They fought viciously about which of them was the rightful owner of the temple. It's mine. No, it's mine. It's a- Get your hands off my Talmud. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> I had the Torah in the 15th century. <laughs> they moved into different wings of the synagogue, which I think is a perfect premise for an Afghanistan sitcom, right? <laughs> oh, my God. This is a great story. So Levi hates Simitov so much that he wrote to the Taliban interior minister and accused Simitov of theft of Jewish relics. Well, I, know, I don't think the Taliban really going to care, but yeah, whatever. exactly. So Simitov <laughs> responded by telling the Taliban that Levi ran a secret brothel where he sold alcohol and he converted to Islam. <laughs> okay. So these guys are writing letters you know wow. whatever both of these because of these accusations the taliban arrested them and put them in jail okay after two days after they narked on each other <laughs> exactly yeah they put them in the same cell and after two days the <laughs> taliban couldn't take their constant incessant <laughs> arguing that they said get out i can't do it you, you, can you yeah. do it bread are you bread and water yeah <laughs> What kind of water is uh, this? Is this uh... Uh, so the good news is Simitov and Levi made up, and now we're on a deli called Islami in Kabul. <laughs> good night, everybody. You know, uh, we talk about this all the time, but you know the 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 most inexplicable hatred in the history of mankind is the Germans and the Jews, what? because. The German, the Germans and the Jews are so similar; it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. well, and I'll give you an example. Like it's not quite, one too, so. not quite as extreme as this, but uh, in Chicago, when my dad first immigrated over here, there were seven German soccer clubs. Mm-hmm. Now, you must think to yourself, well, there must have been a gazillion Germans. There were seventy Germans, probably. Well, no, I mean it was not that huge of a. Uh, of a German crowd, what happened was they couldn't get along. Yeah, so, and so they, you know, like, I, I, I should be the left wing. I'm, I'm starting my own club. And that's how it went. Yeah. So they had so many clubs. Uh, well, didn't I ever tell you the story about my grandfather and his brother? <laughs> yes, right? yes. Uh, so they get kicked out of Germany. They live in Berlin. They get kicked out of Germany basically in 1941 or whatever. They, they relocate to a Shanghai ghetto, both of them, but they hated each other so much that they wouldn't talk to each other while they were in the Shanghai ghetto. They would walk past each other and just... What were their names? Um, well, uh, George was my yeah. grandfather and Ernst was Ernst. my yeah, okay. uncle Ernst, who I had never met. But yeah. but yeah, so they hated each other so much that they didn't even, you know. 
And they all they went to the same Chinese restaurant yeah. on on uh, Christmas Eve. But you call this a ragoon? <laughs> <laughs> I ordered Hunan. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, that is that could be one of my favorite stories that yeah. we've ever done. Um, I have a story for you as well, if I can find it here. Um, there we go. All right. Um, you know when your kids are real little and they're first learning how to write? Well, there's one assignment that the kids always get, and it's when I grow up, I want to be. Okay, you know, sure. And you have to draw a picture of what it is that you want like to be. Like a paper sale. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. It's usually a paper podcaster <laughs> yeah. or you know paper salesman, right, exactly. sure. radio personality, <laughs> yeah. one of those things. Um, there was a great tweet this week from this uh, mother who, sh- and here I'll show you. Take a look at this. Mm-hmm. Now see this. When I want to grow up, I want to be like mommy. What does it look like mommy does for a living? She's a stripper. <laughs> That's what it looks like, yeah. right? Yeah, she's it's like, like a, a mommy yeah. holding onto a pole right. with people and, with money, and everyone's handing out little dollar bills <laughs> right, to her. Right, right. And and, and the, the funny thing is that she. This is what she tweeted. I, I just want to clarify that I uh, am not now, or never, I've never been an exotic dancer. <laughs> I work at a Home Depot, and I told my daughter how hectic it was last week before the blizzard hit. I told her we sold out every single shovel we had, and then I found one more in the back room, and that several people were fighting over it. That's not a stripper pole. <laughs> that's a shovel. <laughs> it's an eight-foot shovel, but it's... Uh... <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh... And the exact same thing happened to me when Sean had this assignment, right? He, you know, drew it. It wasn't like who you want to be. It's like draw what your favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. And he drew something that I swear to God looked exactly like a penis. <laughs> it was, right. you know, I a wanted, perfect penis. Yeah. It was drawn. It, it had like the flesh color yeah, bottom yeah, sure, and sure. a purple top <laughs> and, and um, it looked like a penis. Right, sure. And the teacher, you know, sent me a little note like, I'm not sure what this <laughs> is, but, uh, and I went to Sean. I'm like, listen, Sean, um, you can't really draw this. I mean, I, I know that you may love it, but you <laughs> yeah, can't. Right. I can tell you a story, Sean, but, <laughs> but you can't draw a picture like this right. at school. Yeah. It's a personal thing. It's a private thing. He goes, crayons are private? <laughs> like, oh, that's a crayon. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> I swear, it really, I thought it was a penis. Did you ever see the uh, Everybody Loves Raymond episode when no. Raymond's mom makes a, sta- or a sculpture in sculpture class and it looked just like a vagina? No. <laughs> right. And, and everybody's looking at it and everybody can see it and Google it or Netflix it or whatever. It is a great... Uh, you know what else is great, Rick? What's that? It's so easy to subscribe to our show. How do you do it? All right. Well, you got to do a differential equation. Uh-huh. You got to do some calculus. Right. You got to do some... R squared you, plus right. D squared. You, you press a little button. It's like and a little subscribe. thing that says subscribe. You can go on iTunes. You can go on Google Play. You can go on Stitcher. You can go on Podable. You can go to iHeartRadio. You know where you can also go? You can go to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network mm-hmm. and see some of the other great shows that they have. Uh, a lot of them are OPI shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Let's take a break, and you can hear about some of those shows. Oh, good. And we'll be right back. segue. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we're going to get you 
away from the Bears game because, you know, let's face it, the Bears are not very good anymore. But what is good, Adam? I tell you, the English Premier League, we've got a fantastic match this weekend. It's the two best teams in the Premier League playing against each other. We're going to talk about it. Liverpool versus Man City at Anfield. Great atmosphere. It's going to be tremendous. Yeah, all that and unlimited discussions of this great game of football slash soccer on Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. This week on And Friends, Kimmy, Tommy, and Samuel, us, our group of friends, we get together. We're going to be pissing off Kimmy. Not you. Oh. You're good, Samuel. But I'm gonna f*** you. Oh, oh my God. All this and more on And Friends. It's an opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we're back. Oh, good to see you, Rick. All right. Do you have any more minutia before we launch into our uh, great minutia guest? Have you never... Oh, and I have a quiz, too, following up. Um, have you... You've never been to Japan, right? No. All right. Um... For people that have been to Japan, it's a great. I love Japan. That was great. I mean, I I felt fairly tall. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but Japan's a little weird, you In know. What way? Well, there's you know like they've got you know those capsule hotels right where you can sleep in like a coffin right they've oh got, yeah that's you know true. they got the anime they have some odd fetishes Exa- stuff, exactly yes. that's a great way to put it and like cantaloupes are like a hundred bucks <laughs> right. you know. Uh, yeah. But here's something that I think is probably one of the strangest things that I've ever seen coming out of Japan. If you go to the Japanese takeout chain Tanka Toramasu, you can order fried chicken that tastes like a young woman's foot. Okay. Okay. This fetish-inspired flavor claims to mimic the smell and stickiness of the underside of a young woman's foot, thanks to natto a type of fermented soybean placed over the chicken. Ugh, gross. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, you know. Now, as you, know, I, you know what it tastes like? Chicken. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a weird things they only eat in Japan quiz. Oh, good. All right, hang on. I got a minutia quiz uh, thing here. Time now for a minutia man. Minutia man. Minutia quiz. Oh, my God. You are nailing it right now. <laughs> this new computer is a new you. <laughs> I'm going to give you four Japanese dishes. Okay. One of these is not real. All right. All right. Shirako, fish sperm. Shirako, a common item found in most Japanese pubs, consisting entirely of the male genitalia of fish, still fat with seminal fluid. Mm. Okay. Mm. Hachinoko, bee larvae. This crunchy maggoty bee larva is served in pubs and tastes a bit like beer nuts. Okay. Tagayagi, aquatic penises. You can enjoy Tagayagi, the male genitalia of the Agriosi sea ma- mammal, either fried or grilled. Okay. Okay. And Bishashi, raw horse meat, which is, well, raw horse meat. So we've got fish sperm, bee larva, aquatic penises, and raw horse meat. I think one of your penises are, uh, are the fake one. You mean either the fish sperm or the aquatic penises? Yes. Right. Would that be correct? No. I'm going to say it's the uh, fish sperm. Nope, that's correct. Fish sperm. Sheriaco. Sher- fish sperm. It's the aquatic penises, the tagayagi. Ah. So. 
Well, the fish sperm sounds delicious. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> but uh, I think I'm going to have to pass. Uh, we have other things we have to get to before we get to our guest. And this is actually just one other thing. It's this. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity, and I have to tell that story. Uh, he did this at the end of the show last week. Lauren Green. Lauren was, Green was, was the, the name one. from right. last week. And we'll pull another name mm-hmm. after I tell this story. So Lauren Green, I never met Lauren Green. Lauren Green died, I think, when we were in college. Mm -hmm. But he's one of those guys that uh, not many people are sure when he died, where he died, or whatever. And I was writing uh, a book called The Living Wills with uh, Brendan Sullivan. Available at (laughs) EckhartsPress.com. We've had Brendan on the show. And the first chapter I ever wrote, somehow... I don't know where this came from, but the there was a love affair uh, that was bubbling up, and it all centered around Lauren Green. Lauren Green, right. whether it was whether he had uh, was alive or not, and this character was kind of based on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would, one of the things you Dub, like to do. Uh, what was the name? Dub uh, Delmar Dunwoody. Dunwoody. Right. Um, one of the things Dave likes to do is ask people who's the most famous person you've mm-hmm. ever met. Mm-hmm. And that's what this character does. And the the girl behind the counter says Lauren Green. Mm-hmm. And so it goes into a long discussion of how he's been dead for years and she's full of shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it starts a love affair. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to learn a lot about Lauren Green when I was working on this book because there's three other chapters. There's a whole song that he sang that uh, he sings to her and it becomes a, a big thing. And now every year... Uh, on Lauren Green's birthday, you posed right. I have a little Lauren Green uh, tribute. tribute. Right. Uh, that's uh, he has become a a big part of my life, and I did. I'll I'll be honest with you. I did love the show Bonanza. I watched it with. Wasn't my your dad. dad a big Bonanza yeah. fan? Yeah, my dad was uh, just a huge fan of that and any western basically but we watched bonanza all the time when i was a kid you know what we got to do is we got to find a lauren green relative and get him on the show and say what i don't know tell yeah. the story again yeah maybe not you know what? we'll yeah. just send him we'll just send him this and we'll call it a day all right for so next week let me get this one here oh well this should be fun robert novak uh he's dead isn't he Yes, he is. Uh, conservative uh, commentator. Yeah, remember, remember he used to be in CNN's Crossfire? Right, with uh, Pat yeah. Buchanan. Was, yeah. Uh, right, was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. That's a, now, that's a real live encounter, correct? That's a real live encounter, and it is a very memorable one. That's all I'll say about that. And coming up right now... We have a live encounter. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Please welcome to the show a journalist, author, photographer, Chicagoan, one of the greatest people to follow on Twitter, Robert Lorazel. In 2016, he was picked by the Chicago Reader as the number one Chicagoan to follow. But unfortunately for Robert, and I, I, I know you're probably mourning today, uh, yeah. The best of list came out. He was merely a finalist. Yeah, that, that, that's. A, in fact, <laughs> right. this interview's over, Robert. Forget <laughs> it. Who's number one? We're gonna do number one. <laughs> I mean, what does a man have to do? You've tweeted over four hundred thousand times. 
<laughs> Who, who's counting? <laughs> you know that's true. By the way, uh, on your Twitter feed, it says you've been you've tweeted over four hundred thousand times. Wow, uh, I, I've checked that a few times, but it's been a while since I've looked at it. So if you just quiz me about how many times I, I had tweeted, I, w- I wouldn't know. I maybe I should do something special for the when I hit the half million mark. Yes, yeah. you definitely should. Or do something other than tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that also. Uh, so four hundred thousand. So are you tweeting? Let's do the math on yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Twenty times a day for no, it's more than that. I bet. Well, how, how many uh, how many years have you been on Twitter? You know, uh, I I would have to look all this up. It's been a decade or so, I guess. Okay. Uh, you know, some days I'll tweet uh, hundreds of times, sometimes less than that, depending on, especially if things are breaking in the news that I'm interested in. That that will. It'll sort of ramp up then, <laughs> and hopefully people aren't annoyed by too many uh, retweets and tweets. But uh, well, clearly is, not because you're you're yeah. one of the finalists. Yeah. So. Just a finalist. Yeah. Let's remind you, though. I've been following you for years. I, I really I, I can't uh, I can't imagine not having you on my Twitter feed. Well, and you know, one of the reasons we follow you is because you're hyper. You hyper serve the Chicago audience. I mean, you you've written for. Chicago Magazine and the Tribune, and you really follow what's going around yeah. around here in Chicago, and you cover it in more ways than one. I've got a soft spot for Monday, and Monday is Manhole Cover Monday. Can you tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about Manhole Cover Monday? Uh, yeah, I mean, some people are. I, I think some people are really baffled by you know, like, why would you be going around taking pictures of manhole covers and putting them on Twitter? Uh, but, uh, you know, there are a few of us who are interested in, in these sort of weird, arcane elements of the city around us. And, uh, you know, that just kind of developed where a few of us were doing that. And uh, someone else on Twitter just happened to notice that it was on Monday when, when one of us had a picture up and said, what, what is this, manhole cover Monday? And that <laughs> kind of caught, caught on. And uh, there's maybe about a dozen of us in Chicago who do it every week uh, where we look for a manhole cover that maybe has an interesting designer that we haven't seen before. Although I think I kind of running out of, of uh, unique designs, but well, you got to expand you, you beyond Chicago, I think. You yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like uh, about a month ago uh, I was on, or two months ago I was on vacation in uh, Los Angeles so of course, as I'm going around looking at all the various sites, I'm also <laughs> keeping an eye out for interesting L.A. manhole covers. As people do. I mean, yeah, right. Who doesn't? <laughs> you know, actually, I if I sent you one on Twitter this past May. I was in um, Slovenia, and I saw some really cool dragon manhole covers. Oh, and, yeah. And also in uh, in Croatia. So, I mean... I actually have started looking at manhole covers because of you guys on Twitter doing this. Yeah. I mean, some places like Japan, uh, where I've I've never visited Japan myself, but I've seen many pictures about these really amazingly beautiful designs they have on their manhole covers, pictures of dragons and things like that. It's a little less artistic in Chicago, but there's still something I like about the idea that – you know, some interesting graphic design went into the industrial process. Yeah. And there were craftsmen uh, working in foundries uh, making these manhole covers. And there were, you know, streets and sand workers basically, you know, putting them putting them into place. 
And maybe a hundred years later, here we are in looking at this design that went through all that process. So in a way, we're, I kind of feel like we're honoring these anonymous craftsmen, whoever they were, oh, that's <laughs> who great. came up with these pieces of metal that we walk over every day. That most of us don't even notice. Do you have a favorite yeah. manhole cover in Chicago? Like the... Who's the final? Who's the reader's poll uh, you know, number there's one? A, there's this one that I photographed a few times. The design, you'll see it around in a few places. It has the, in the middle of the, this Chicago sewer, it says Chicago sewer on it. And in the middle of the manhole cover, there's a version of that Y symbol. If you go around Chicago, you'll see uh, this symbol where it's a circle with, something that looks like the letter Y mm -hmm. in it. And that is, uh, it's in the city ordinances. It's, it's designated as the municipal device. And it's a symbol that uh, started in the 1890s that symbolizes the the way the river, Chicago River, splits into the branches oh. and divides the city into three sections. Um, and, you know, there was talk of making that the city flag uh, but we ended up with the more famous flag that's got the, those four stars on it. So if Je but, but this particular manhole cover has a very nice version of that Y symbol in the middle of it. And there's one uh, not too far from where I live. I live in Uptown, and there's one in Buena Park. So I'll walk past it every once in a while, and I like to see over the course of the years, you know, in a couple of months I'll be seeing snow on it or ice. <laughs> Right now, if you walk past it, you'll probably see a bunch of uh, you know red and yellow leaves on it. So, it or used condom kind of in Chicago. Kind of seen the cover through the seasons. Is... Well, you know, you're on a show called Minutia Man. I think we yeah. are we are really living. <laughs> we up are to nailing the, the minutia right here of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. My uh, my favorite thing about the stuff that you write about is you know stuff like this, it's Chicago history, and we just yeah. passed the 100th anniversary of the Chicago race riots, which is a story that most Chicagoans don't know. I, I discovered it a few years ago when I was researching a book that I never wrote. Uh, but cause in the North, we tend to think of the South as a bunch of racists, but here, right. in, in Chicago, we have at best what I'd call a checkered history. You, tell us a little bit about that. Cause you wrote a pretty comprehensive story about that. Uh, those race riots. Yeah, uh, this was uh, a story I did for Chicago Magazine. It appeared in the August 2019 issue, uh, and it's still online, of course, which is the nice thing about uh, today's online journalism. Right. Uh, I mean, well, sometimes uh, articles do disappear from online, as I've discovered, uh, so you never know <laughs> if it'll be there forever. But uh, for the for the foreseeable future, if you if you go to chicagomag.com and uh, just search for my name or 1919 race riot, um, you can find this article I wrote, uh, headline of which was "Blood in the Streets," which is uh, well, you say it's comprehensive, and I try to make it as comprehensive comprehensive as I could. But of course, there's you know a lot more to the story. Well, which I mean, a whole books have it. been written about it too. But I mean, yeah. just recently. You, you just delved into it. If you can give us, like, the, the Reader's Digest version. Yeah. Well, basically what happened was uh, this was during the time period of the beginning of what became known as the Great Migration when uh, millions of African Americans were 
trying to escape the lynchings and the the uh, Jim Crow laws and uh, just the you know all the problems in the South, including bad schools, uh, segregation, uh, a lack of economic opportunities, um, and a lot of them saw potential for a better life in the North. Uh, so they came to places like Chicago. So during that decade from uh, 1910 through 1920, uh, the population, Af- the African-American population in Chicago was growing. It was still, you know, only a few percent of the overall population. So uh, they were, you know, a relatively small uh group within the overall population of Chicago, but there was a lot of tension developing. One of the issues was that there was a neighborhood in the south side, it's pretty much what today we call Bronzeville, uh, back at the time people called it the Black Belt in the, on the mm-hmm. south side. And that was pretty much the only place where, where blacks coming to Chicago were able to rent apartments or buy houses. Uh, everywhere else they were they were shunned. Um, and that neighborhood wasn't big enough for all these uh, African-Americans who were arriving from the South. So it st- started to expand. And then you have, you know, racist whites in nearby neighborhoods who really start agitating against allowing blacks to move into their areas. So a lot of there are other things contributing to the tensions to, you know, workplaces, uh, places like the stockyards. There were white workers who were not happy about black workers coming in to get jobs alongside them. Uh, that so doesn't sound like white really, people. <laughs> but, yeah. And a lot of them were in, in, in their own little ethnic groups too, right? I mean, like the Irish oh, yeah. and the yeah. Polish and, you know, what have you. Right. So all these tenses really came to a boil in the summer of 1919. Uh, it, at the end of, of July, uh, on a very hot day, uh, there there was this incident that really sparked this the whole days of rioting, uh, which happened on on the beach around 25th Street or 26th Street. There isn't a beach there today. There, it's just the lakefront. Um, nice park there along uh, south of McCormick Place, where there's a boulder that kind of you know marks what happened is not really much of a monument to it though, yeah. you know, and so, and what happened was these teenagers, uh, four, uh, five black teenagers went out on a makeshift raft into the lake. And one of them, they apparently crossed over this sort of invisible line in the water that was considered the dividing point be, between where blacks were supposed to swim and where whites were allowed. Um, and and a white man uh, on the shore was throwing rocks at them, and one one of the teenagers, Eugene Williams, uh, died in the water. Apparently, he was hit by a rock, although the coroner said that he wasn't, and he drowned. But in either, in either, either case, he 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 died because of these rocks being thrown at him, and uh, that created this big fight on the beach especially when a white police officer refused to arrest the white man who was throwing rocks. Um, and then over the course of the next several days, uh, there were fights in the streets or white mobs going after black people, some black people killing white people, mostly in self-defense, although you know there were probably some racially motivated kind of revenge attacks 
in there too. And by the end of, of, of all this, uh, 38 men had been killed, uh, 23 black and 15 white men, and more than 500 people injured. Okay. And luckily, we have solved that racism yeah, yeah. problem. In no Chicago. racism whatsoever yeah. anymore. Uh, it's, uh, no. it's completely solved. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you're you're also the author of a great book about Chicago history, the story of Adolf Lutgert. That's is, did yeah. I say that right, right? Yeah, I think that I'm going uh, to say that's correct. Close uh, enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's one of the most gruesome murder stories in Chicago's history. Again. It's called Alchemy of Bones. Can you give us a little, another little Reader's Digest version of? Yeah, uh, that was a, a, a murder trial that happened in 1897, which was, uh, if you go back and look at the newspapers from 1897, which I did, uh, page after page was filled with stories about this. Uh, you, you might compare it to something like an O.J. Simpson case today, just in terms of the kind of publicity that it got and how it was such a huge sensation at the time. And there were um, there were like 20 newspapers at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, which makes it fascinating to see how the right. different papers covered it. Uh, but the story was that uh, this woman, uh, Louisa Luker, disappeared and was never seen again. And her husband uh, was charged with killing her. Um, and dissolving her body in in the basement of his sausage factory, uh, <laughs> which of course prompted well, he, people, was you know, he was German. He was German. He was making sausage. <laughs> Everything's right? got to right. come back to the sausage. Yeah. <laughs> so the so the kind of the urban legend version of the story that you, that you hear is that you know he ground her up into sausage. That's not really what he was ever accused of doing. Uh, you know, but while this case was a big sensation. Uh, it, there are stories about how uh, sausage sales dropped off in Chicago. Everyone was kind of suddenly they were grossed out by the idea of eating sausage because there might be a woman inside of it. That's a, we call that a unique selling point, Robert. I don't know what they were doing wrong. <laughs> you know, they're probably not wrong to have been grossed out by sausage in 1897 anyway. Right, yeah. There are probably other reasons why why they might have been wrong. Hey, there's a finger wrong. in my Thuringer, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a famous story. You mentioned that it was uh, like the biggest story in Chicago at that time people should check out your book alchemy of bones and get that whole story and if you love chicago history check out robert's website he has stories i'm just going to read a couple of them here chicago strange history with pneumatic tubes joseph dunlop a newspaper publisher in prison for obscenity was jane adams a lesbian the Smoking Gun, anti-smoking crusader Lucy Page Gaston, the evolution of Chicago's handgun ban, Tommy guns. I mean, you're you are you're Mr. Chicago history, Robert. If there's a Jeopardy and a Chicago Jeopardy, you would just kill. You would kill. It. You would kill. Uh, maybe uh, <laughs> you know, as much as I loved getting all this praise, there. Are, there are a lot of other people who know you know a lot about Chicago, and sometimes I get stumped on something. Um, I but think, we don't know that. Uh, Our yeah. listeners don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess as a journalist, uh, and uh, you know, I, I did not uh, major in history, but I, I uh, have sort of figured out how to do it. You know, by working on lots of these articles, uh, people often turn to me with some question. You know, like for whatever reason, I'm the one person in Chicago. They think uh, we'll be able to find out really quickly what a particular story is or, or, you know, what's the meaning of a street name or something like that. Um, I'm not always the expert on it, but I usually can figure out uh, pretty quickly what the information is. 
Yeah, we got to work on your self promotional yeah, skills right. here a little bit. Uh, you know, we have uh, all three of us have something in common. Uh, University of Illinois alumni. We were there around the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. we worked at the Illini Media Company. We were at WPGU. You were at the Daily Illini. Should we give a little plug to U of I and how it has shaped our careers? And um, certainly, the Daily Illini and WPGU were important parts of our collegiate experience. Sadly, I don't think either of them are doing particularly well right now. At least that's what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, um, I've, I know they've had some uh, fun drives to try to to stay afloat. I don't. I haven't kept up on what's going on with that, you know, real recently, but. Um, you know, I met you at, at a... media is so essential. I mean, there have been a couple of stories lately that made the national news where uh, student newspapers in various parts of the country had scoops related to uh, Donald Trump and, and right. all the things going on there. And it's just great to see, like, some student, news, some student journalists working for a college newspaper in Arizona just does the basic thing of, uh, you know, asking questions and reporting information, and it makes national news well it was fake um, news wasn't it <laughs> yeah no 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 it wasn't fake news you know uh we we met at a an Illini media event very briefly at lagunitas brewery um oh yeah do you remember that event uh I'm, yes i do I remember yeah. gene honda was walking around flashing his uh white chicago Sox. blackhawks oh. uh or maybe it was, it was the, the white Sox. Sox. it was the championship the one yeah the World Series. Uh, but anyway that's if they want to get people to support these college medias, they need to do more things at breweries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's, that's my idea. tip. Right. And now that marijuana is going to be legal on January 1st, <laughs> I mean, this gonna, is. I've got a whole bunch of ideas. <laughs> we're going to run by them. But, you know, we want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, we encourage people to follow you. What, where are some other places people can find you? Well, uh, you know, uh, like you mentioned, my website. Uh, which is robertlorazell.com is sort of the portal where I post links to articles and, and um, you know, I would tell you like listen to WBZ and I occasionally do stuff for them, but you know, it's like once a year <laughs> once a year you might hear me at WBZ once a year you might hear me see me in Chicago Magazine uh, it's, it's I'm sort of, I'm a freelancer so right. uh, I appear in various places and of course you, you mentioned my Twitter feed yes, so, that's the place, um, right yeah, I've actually on my to-do list of things that I'd like to to get around to doing. Um, I've got a lot of old articles that have disappeared from from the internet, which I want to repost online. And I should do a, a you know tweets reminding people of you know here's an interview I did 15 years ago or whatever on a particular topic. Um, so I'm hoping to revive some of those old pieces of journalism that are still relevant. Well, I hope you, when you do your 500,000th tweet party, you invite yeah, us. Invite us. And uh, maybe we can have it at a brewery. Well, you've been yeah, you've been on the air with us. You've been on the air with us for what? 20 minutes or yeah, something? something? You are like 6,000 tweets behind now, buddy. <laughs> get yeah, back to work. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not going to get to 500 until uh, you know 2021. So let's go. Thanks yeah, for being yeah, on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for Yeah, having. thank you. All right, All right. thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Goodbye. I think we might have met someone who's more minutia-inclined right. than we are. He, uh, can you imagine him at the party? <laughs> oh, you're from, or let's say he's out, you know. You know uh, hey, what, so would you see this? Oh, I, you know, I know. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Uh -huh. I am I, I, a, uh, a, a fan of nerds because I am one myself, and it's really more self-love. And you know what? You've probably missed one of his tweets already. I have. Right. I'm sure I have.
Um, so we have to thank some people. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla with the Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode. I think it might be two weeks. Is it going to be two uh, weeks? I don't know. It, uh, All right. We'll, we'll, we'll be back again in two weeks. And then if we're back in one week, it's bonus. <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll be back at some <laughs> point with another edition of... Minutia Men. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Hey, this is Tony Lozano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe, but I have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends, uh, including Kimmy. Hello. We feature some of the coolest guests like... Ryan Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way, you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast, and Opie Show. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radio Misfits. <laughs> I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on the next Back to You, Steve. Former NFL player. Former college player. Senator Napoleon Harris. Yes. And he's got a talent that is unbelievable. And at the drop of a hat, we'll, we'll just save it. It's coming up. Yes. On the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an OPI show. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.